What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Napping Through Happy Hour, where we talk real life, real trauma in real time. I'm Katie. And I'm Marie with popcorn in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> boom, you know, you ready, and I still kept on chewing. This popcorn's good. I, I've, I've been wanting to try that popcorn. It's supposed to be a healthier one, right? Boom chicka pop, yeah. It's 60, yeah. Do- 60 calories per... <laughs> $60 and I was yeah. like Jesus I don't want to try it that bad what is that from Erewhon is there gold in this popcorn right, right? there better be <laughs> speaking of which uh, to the attuned listener there is a new guest with us here today um, she is fantastic we met her performing together um, I've seen her do a million jokes she is hilarious you can find her on TikTok at Kelly Nicole 515 you should definitely check out her content everybody please welcome kelly nicole ah thank you that was such a generous introduction right there it was very last minute and i was like i feel like i should like list credits and like all the the good things about you we worked with her she's amazing she's i'm like i'm gonna be riding this high the rest of the night thank you (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna go to my mom mom guess what they said about me and then she's like take out the recycling i'll say i'm important mom i'm important <laughs> i live with you out of choice <laughs> and then i say hey can i have some money no i'm kidding <laughs> hey, give me a couple slices of that bread <laughs> kelly um kelly i i only know you through performing and through comedy and um digital media stuff uh, tell us about yourself real quick like if you could summarize oh. yourself and what you like oh, to I- do 
I wish I had, a, I, I had thought about that beforehand. Um, all right, my name is Kelly. I am born and raised in Arizona. Uh, it's very hot, which is why I'm so smoking. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was a very traumatized child. I was very shy. And then one day I was like, I want to do the theater. And my mom was like, no, you don't want to do the theater. And I was like, no, mama, it's a theater. And then she signed me up for one show. And then I became an addict. Uh, and since then I sing and I dance and I act and I do comedy and I write and I draw and I do any outlet that I can. Uh, and I've just never stopped since. What show was it? Your first show? The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Oh my gosh. No way. What'd you play? The White Witch actually. So did you? We, did, <laughs> we, did a theater, we did a theater class beforehand. And I guess I did not know this. It was Aladdin with the whitest cast of Aladdin, of course. And they, uh, yeah. I didn't know they it tends to be in Arizona. <laughs> They wanted me to get the part of the princess. And my mom said no, because I'd never done anything before. And so I was like the princess's best friend and ended up being really fun. And so when we did a real theater um, and I didn't have any experience, you know what I mean? I just have a lot of pent up emotions and rage. And so when mm. they were like, just do your best. And I, and there was the monologue of killing Aslan. Right. And I just yeah. went hog. And like, I think I remember that the people, the other kids, like, physically jolted back when I started, like, screaming and crying and cursing him. And and I looked at this guy and was like, no, no, the husband! And, like, I forgot a line. I said, I'm so sorry, I forgot a line. Can I start over? And the director goes, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, go for it. And then I I just loved it. And I will say, um, we're going to get deep really fast here. Uh, okay. I, had, I lived in an abusive household growing up. So I think part of it that I loved that I was addicted to was you can never show the emotion that is not safe. The emotion yeah. the abuser needs you to show. Yeah. Um, and so when I would get on stage or have these parts, I was angry. I was happy. I was sad. I was mourning. I was gleeful. Mm. I was a mix of so many amazing things. And at the end, no one was going to hit me for it. Yeah. At the end, I remember after my first show, The White Witch, I remember having this anxiety for curtain call and people clapped. And I was like, whoa. That's it's the this best is, form of hitting. And right, exactly. This is a nice outlet. And I think it really, it really, it really saved my life because it gave me a place to express that freely. Yeah. Wait, what theater, if you don't make me asking? Arizona Homeschool Theater, which, uh, fun fact, yeah, because I was homeschooled. I did uh, not know that this was a theater group. Oh, this is amazing. Well, okay. it, is, it, was a, it was, so a fun fact, it was started by, um, a couple of homeschool moms and then a, a theater teacher who was like, yeah, I'll come do it during the daytime. And then, you know, we joined and it grew into this bigger and bigger and bigger thing and more families joined and more people in the audience came and we would just rent out a space at a church. You know, we didn't have like a, sure. a home space or anything. Um, but what was really great about it was um, years later, about three or four years later after I left and I had I'd been doing big theater, I didn't do movies, I'd done film. I had went back to see a show and the uh, owner operator of it, Andrea, who I adore, I used to, when I was 14, I'd call her my master like that. And she'd say, you're a weird kid. And you know, I'd get to rehearsal. But uh, she was like, hey, do you want to, do you want to direct? Do you want your hand directing? Do you want a job here directing? And so I ended up taking over the homeschool theater for about, three or four years and doing all the shows and wow. it was a beautiful experience one to kind of go back as the other side of it and then to have these homeschooled kids who I was with and I humble brag I had the most amount of disabled kids uh at any point during that theater uh yeah. and I pride myself on that because to me I think I I have an autistic brother and I am neurodivergent myself and mm -hmm. so there are many things that just I see that are happening that make sense 
And so it's not weird or awkward or an imposition at all when there's a disabled kid there. I remember someone right. with autism, their mom said to me, um, he's never done this. He's never been able to do this. And I don't know what it is with you. He's able to do this. I said, well, I try to look, you know, I can see when he's overstimulated. I can mm. see when he needs a break. And I say, go step outside, take some breaths, go put your noise canceling headphones on, you know, and I, I try to make it very clear. This is a very safe space that if you are at any point uncomfortable with anything, even if it's just in your own body, you are free to, to stand up and walk away. You are yeah. free to go, you know, the parents are all there. The parents hang out there the whole time. Cause you know, you go, go to find your parents, you know, if you need to. And so uh, it was amazing to the theater that, that I think built me really and, and gave me a chance that I got to then give other kids a chance. And um, it was very fun. That's amazing. Well, and it's so funny because it, it kind of reminds me of um, when someone taught me um, outside of Arizona, because I also grew up in Arizona. Uh, one of the things that Kelly and I both connected on initially, but someone finally told me when I got out to California and was training in improv in California, and they were like, yeah, we know that like there's a rule in improv that says you have to say yes to everything. And they're like, but that's not a good life lesson to begin with. And they're like, you can't deny the situation or the reality of the scene that's been built, but you can absolutely, as a person with, you know, personhood and choices, mm -hmm. you can absolutely say no. And so that's such a beautiful thing to tell kids, especially in theater. One of the reasons why I love it, and I feel like it definitely saved my life too, is that like you can express all these crazy big emotions yeah. and no one's going to think that you're crazy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> no one's going to yes! like, I mean, you have to do it in a safe and like progressive way and like something that like is serving something, either yourself in the moment or the scene or whatever. Um, but, you know, you can't just fly well, off a, on a handle and like, punch a bunch of people on the stage something and be like, I'm I, theater. Something that I would always tell them too, because we would do uh, improv classes and things like that. And at any point, I always would remind them, you may not leave this and want to be an actor. You may not leave this and want to perform. My only goal at this is that you leave with a good memory of the stage. Aww. That's it. You don't have to do anything with it. And I would tell them, you know, things like, I can't, I can't do improv, it's too hard. And I would explain to them, hey, so this is my, uh, I, I'm socially awkward and actually improv helped me learn how to make friends and communicate because I realized every conversation is just an improv conversation. And I started looking at talking to people like improv and I would share those experiences with them. I think also to help them feel that, you know, I'm not here saying do the improv. I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here doing this with you. I am at the, we are at the same level right now. We are at the same, I'm a little bit above you because I'm the adult and I'm, you know, making sure we're sure. safe, but you know, we are, we are, a team in this it's a group effort and you're not alone you know and so it yeah. was I think it was a beautiful experience because I I uh when I was in public school I wasn't homeschooled my whole life I had a very rough uh experience being bullied by uh other students and by teachers so much so we actually called CPS on the school that's how bad it was uh, on the teacher uh there was a lot yeah. of abuse that is very illegal that looking back as an adult hurts my heart because as a kid you don't you know really know what's going on but yeah. you know for me when I would teach classes it was healing for me in a way that I was creating an environment and a learning environment that was healthy and that was safe that I didn't have you know until I was homeschooled and that yeah. was like a very wonderful thing you know, you know, 
I love hearing that, especially because as I get older and I become more self-aware and I kind of deal with my stuff and like I'm in therapy and all that good stuff. And I'm really like, because I think now I'm at this point in my life where I'm really talking more about my inner child or my, my, you know, who I was. And um, I think about how much shit how many shitty things happened to me as a kid that like how much from my teachers I like, I suffered and like you know especially being uh, from adults from grown yeah, adults from the, this who, who should cruelty. be protecting you yes cruelty and um you know now knowing that um you know I have ADHD and I, as I was talking about Katie I'm pretty sure I'm on the spectrum need to get an official diagnosis but like you know just things that like I'm like, this poor kid just needed help, dude. Like, I was a good kid. Like, I really... The thing is, because I loved all my teachers. And then, like, bad things would happen. And I didn't realize that they were being cruel to me, you know, until I'm this Mm -hmm. age. So... And then you start seeing similar things in colleagues and coworkers treating you very similarly. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of triggers your inner kid that says, yeah. like, I'm in trouble, therefore I should act this way or I should shut off this emotion when yeah. it's really not the case. And we even talked last episode about, like, being the parent to your own inner child. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just excited that, like, somebody's off, like, thinking about that. Like, I, yeah. I know that people say that they are, but I know that you're doing it. Like I, and only, and not only that just cause you're saying it, but because I've conversations we've had and these are just things that I know that you really actually care about. It's yeah, not oh like God, the I'm, talk of the day. It's what you give a I damn just, about. I, yeah. I just was talking to a coworker about this. There was a deep conversation kind of thing going on. And uh, one of the topics was, um, if I were to be a friend, what is something I should know about you? And the first couple of times we went around, it was very much like, ha ha, Kingdom Hearts. And ah, you know, I like soccer. And, you know, it was very, it was surface level as, you know, you don't want to, like, you're, you don't want to open up people. And I, I just decided I'm going to be vulnerable because somebody has to start it. And I said, what you have to know about me is that I like to be childish. I'm healing my inner child. I like cartoons. I like Disney. I like video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's rain, I want to go play in it. If there's a playground, I'm going to go on the swings. That doesn't make me any less of an adult. I can choose to be a very serious adult anytime that I want, but I choose when it's appropriate to let my inner child out, to accept my inner child. I have plushies around my room. I indulge in uh, childish things that most adults would look down on being like, why is she watching Bluey, you know, from the the Disney movie, the channel, you know, and, and uh, I hear it's a great me, show. <laughs> oh, you know what? My therapist told me to watch it and it's, it's gutting. So I know it's like, oh, it's, no, because it is a super healthy family dynamic. Ooh, it is a mom and a dad who love each other and love their kids and set healthy boundaries and the kids who also have a say in setting healthy boundaries. So my therapist is like, I want you to watch it because you didn't have an example of what a healthy family was. Ooh. And about every two episodes, I'm hysterically crying, which is Aww. so ridiculous to say I'm crying at this children's TV show. No, because nah. I mean, the way that the parents react sometimes to things, I'm just like, oh, is that all it? had to be you know it, it's it's really gutting when you didn't have that and you you, you and you know you'll never have that you know um but you know I just said it, letting me indulge and not making fun of me for being childish or being goofy um mm. because that is part of me 
healing the child that I never got to be. I'm doing it in a responsible way. I'm doing it, you know, I, I pay my bills on time. I, I get things done, but I like childish things. I don't think there's anything bad about that. If you're going to be my friend, then I would hope that you wouldn't think poorly of me or make fun of me because of it. See, but you can be, and I think that's important to note is that you can be into childish things and, but still like, like you've earned your years, right? I like yeah. to say like you've earned what you've been mm -hmm. through has definitely informed your morality, how you treat people, you know, mm -hmm. whether you like childish things or not, you yeah. can still like, you still have to be a good person. Um, exactly. And yeah, well, and and it's not a, it's it's almost like I understand that you're healing your inner child, but it's not a selfish thing. Like you're yeah. doing it so that you can be a better person to other people. It feels yeah. like, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Whereas, like you know, there are some people who are still working on their inner child or like helping, like you know, lavish their inner child, and they're yeah. just focused on that, and then just keep going back to those same moments and it doesn't seem like they're actually facing things but it it sounds like to me that you faced quite a lot already at such so a young age this is something interesting i've never shared this i'm going to share this now okay. um so you know i i i was an adult by the age of seven i mediated my parents fights which with one being abusive is very dangerous as Oof. i said my brother's autistic and so i was his primary caretaker when mom and dad went around which is you know when they couldn't be. And then there were times when he was getting his diagnosis that I was literally forgotten about because there's only so much my mom can do to help one kid and also fight an abuser at the same time to get this kid help. And I, I remember coming home from school someday and I would be like, can I help with homework? And they'd say, we, we can't, we can't help you. We don't have time. And so I would just sit and I'd write things. I didn't know what I was writing. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, but I, there was just nobody there. I didn't have any friends, you know, uh, that's all behind the point I've been through therapy I've healed that I don't blame anybody except my abusive father obviously um but I I, I you know I think for my mom and my brother they're doing their best and of course I was somebody I'll admit uh uh admit it's not the right word but I'll I'll, I'll tell you my my uh neurodivergencies I have ADHD I have dyslexia and I have nonverbal learning disorder and now nonverbal learning disorder people sometimes call it the cousin to autism uh they present in very similar ways with key differences. So basically a lot of times when kids go in to get tests of autism, sometimes very rarely they'll say, no, you actually have NLD or NVLD, nonverbal learning disorder. Uh, mm. Again, there are key differences, but there's a lot of similarities in them too. Um, I don't know why I went into that. Oh yeah, that's right. No, okay, please, so, no please, I, please, I, please, I, please, I think uh, Marie's this very where I, I, this I, is where she is. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, well, I, yeah. and what I was gonna say was, with all that, I had to grow up very fast. I had to be an adult very fast. I had to be an adult mm. to my dad, you know, who made me his mom. You know what sure. I mean? I had to be an sure. adult who said, at 13, I will call 911 if this happens again. That, forced, really you into, that forced you into adulthood a little bit too soon and a little too quick. I had to grow up very fast at it from a very young age. I had these abilities. I had a brother who was disabled. I had an abusive home life. I didn't have many outlets. I'd never really go. Um, and so it's funny is when my abusive father left, um, he, uh, uh, he left very abruptly and very tragically and very, uh, mean, of course, cause he's a very mean person. Um, I don't think I ever really was a kid or a teenager or a tween or a young adult because I remember the first year we, we had to move out of the house and we moved in and people, I, Frozen had come out and everyone knows I love Frozen. And mm -hmm. people had started giving me all these Frozen things, right? As kind of like a, you're going through a hard time, here's Frozen. And next thing I knew I had like, a frozen room. And I loved it. I had a room that if you came over, you'd say, whose five-year-old daughter lives here? 
Aww. You know, I was, I think I was 19 and 20 at the time. And I had this frozen themed room and I had toys. I, I had frozen bed sheets. I had frozen curtains and wall stickers like Anna and Elsa everywhere. And people would really be like, this is kind of weird. But for me, what what's interesting about killing the inner child is that I never had that. I never decorated my room. I never had independent thoughts or likes of my own because those weren't safe. And you never so got to nest. I, yeah, I never, some people say, what if like so-and-so sees something and thinks it's weird? I said, I don't care. They don't live in this room. I sleep in this room. This, I don't share this one with my dog, okay? My dog doesn't care. That's um, and, and And it was amazing because, I mean, really it was very childish. I mean, I look at pictures now. I'm like, oh, oh my God. But it was that childhood room I didn't have. And I remember one day I woke up two years and I think it was 21. And I, I looked around, I said, I'm okay now. I remember said out loud, I'm okay now. And I said, my mom said, hey, uh, cause she's really good at decorating. I said, Hey, I really want to redo my room and make it a little more grown up. And she was like, really? But that was something that I was able to do. And then my room kind of looked like a teenager's room, which again, at the time I didn't think of it that way. But when I look at the pictures, it kind of looked like what a typical teenager would have. Again, I didn't experience being a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then by the age of 23, 24, I have the room in now, which I think is very adult and very me and very balanced. But it was, it, it's funny when I look at those stages, um, because I was, I had stunted growth. It's like, with well, the second that I was out of that bad situation, the second yeah. that I was out of fight or flight mode, my, my brain started to rapidly develop through phases that I never went through. And there were times like in the teenager stage that I would say things like, Oh my God, mom, like, I never was that person. I was never, a, my mom used to be like, Kelly, yeah. be more of a teenager as a teenager. And all of a sudden at 22, I was like, mom, I said bad thing. And yeah. I would hear myself say it and say, well, that's weird. But I think it was my mental like state trying to catch up with what it had missed. It's trying to let you say, now you are safe. You can experience, you are in a safe space. No. And it, it is interesting because that's exactly how great therapy can be is like, it will literally help grow you up. I, I remember I had a friend growing up in high school. He had, it wasn't a brain tumor, but it was some kind of like chemical imbalance that didn't let, allow him to grow. Um, yeah. So he was always like a shorter guy and then some, I don't know, experiment or something like that, something happened and he started to shoot up like crazy. And like now he's just like a tall, like filled out guy because of this. And that's sort of what it's like mentally speaking, what it sounds like yeah. happening in your room. And how cool that you got such a visual thing via your nonverbal <laughs> learning and disability. Let me also say how beautiful of a family that I have, you know, we went through a really hard time together. Yeah. As thing I say is people say, why didn't your mom leave? There were a lot of reasons she couldn't leave because she didn't yeah. have a job at that point. And he was like, I'll, I'll take the kids. You'll never see him again. You know, first of all, looking- if anybody's asking someone who's of an abusive family, why they're not doing something and like the way you think, like, back up and shut the fuck up i'll tell people i'll open up and people say well if that happened to me i'd do this i'm like no you wouldn't you would be frozen trust me because i i think i hear you know i used to think i'd be that person too and then it happens and you're like oh my god i'm terrified and you know there's nowhere to go so uh but what a beautiful thing i do want to say that too that my family even though we you know went through that together uh the the family have my mother my brother they are the best closest most amazing human beings in the entire planet and i i give them so much credit for giving me that space you know i think it would have been easy for both of them to say oh my god kelly's crazy and and now and now with this happening and she's regressing and you know but they were just they were like here's some more frozen stuff hey do you want to watch frozen together you know what i mean and i watched yeah. you know 
R-rated movies with them. And then I, they'd watch Disney movies with me. And they gave me that space to to be. And they mm-hmm. gave me that space to grow. You know, And I think as someone who came from a, a home situation that wasn't safe, to have a home situation that was so safe after yeah. that is such a blessing that I think a lot of people get to experience leaving a bad situation, you know, and, and I am very grateful for, well, for my family for that. Leaving a bad situation and leaving a bad situation with family that is accepting of that change. Yeah. Like that's, that's a huge thing that I, I've not seen quite a lot of yeah. <laughs> with a lot and of And I people. would say, you know, we say it a lot, we talk about it, you know, at, at the end we were all kind of done, which is I think why he did what he did because it was a last ditch effort of, I'm going to prove that you need me. And then we literally were like, okay, we'll be homeless and won't eat. We literally, we'll, we don't need you. We will, we'll do whatever it takes to not need you. And you know, it was the best thing he ever did. And now I haven't talked to him in years and um, yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling around all of it? I feel good. Um, which is weird to say the first couple of years, I think you're very angry and you're very upset. Um, you know, to me, it's like, I knew he was an asshole, but, uh, it was the fact that it was like the final thing of leaving. It's, I wasn't worth it enough. He didn't want to get help. He didn't want to get better. Doing what he was doing was more worth it than his child. And that's Mm. really sad and upsetting and hurting. And then there's, then you start, you know, in therapy, going through the things he did that were abusive and the things that you didn't think were abuse. And you just all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, that's not normal. That's not good. That's abusive. That's terrible to do to a child. Um, It's been how many years now? Gosh, almost 10 years now, maybe 10 years now. I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to him the entire time. Um, Through that time, actually, my, my mom did get remarried a, a couple uh, in 20, 2019 to a beautiful man named Charlie Willoughby. Uh, and uh, he sadly passed away of a very sudden heart attack at 2020. But that man was, he never had kids. And he literally, I mean, we were, we were adults at the time. He adopted us. He took me and my brother and he was like, you're my kids. I love you. I wanted one family trips. He was a dad Aww. that I never had. I'm going to cry when I talk about it. He sure. was, he, you know, we joke that he's not the stepdad. He's a dad that stepped up. Um, <laughs> and I mean, and I resisted it, but my mom's dating and I'm like, I don't know this man. I mean, but he really loved us through it all. And we loved him and it was hard to lose him. But, but through that, I got to experience what having a dad should be like. One thing that blows my mind, I went to his office in Scottsdale before the pandemic and everything. I was in Scottsdale. I said, oh, hey, you know, do you want to have lunch? Um, and I would could never say it to my actual dad. He'd be like, well, you're trying to, I'm trying to, you know, grumble, grumble, sure, sure, angry, sure, sure. angry. Um, he asked me to come in, my stepdad, and uh, he, he, I come to his office, he shows me around his office, and then he tells everybody he's leaving, I'm taking my daughter out to lunch. This is my daughter, Kelly, I'm taking her out to lunch. Aww. And I literally, like, I had tears in my eyes because he was so proud of me. He was so proud to introduce me that I was there. And I, mm. I just, I mean, I got to experience really a father's love that, that, I mean, it really, it's, it's crazy how that happened. And he was the perfect man and he just loved us. And he wanted, we were a ready-made family, which scares a lot of people. And he was like, I mean, my mom would be like, Charlie, okay, I want to hang out with Jesse. And he's like, can the kids come? Because he loved that we Aww. were there. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> uh, and I miss him every day. I love him. Um, but because of that, I think, you know, that also kind of healed some of that father stuff because I had, I yeah. saw what a good father and a good love is. Um, but ironically, I was talking to my family about this because every now and again, we do talk about like, you know, oh, what's going on and what happened and where we are and how much we've grown. But I said, you know, I, I used to feel really angry and really upset. You know, you'd bring him up or something would happen. I'd get like, I mean, very, 
you know, be very emotional. It'd be very right in the heart, you know? And it's funny because someone asked about him and I talked about him very calmly and they said, you seem like you're okay with this. And I, I kind of stopped. And I said, you know, I think I am. There's a, there's a difference between, you know, the opposite of hate isn't love. It's indifference. You know, that opposite of love isn't hate, yeah. you know, and it wasn't that I hated him anymore. I was just indifferent because what I realized now is one, he's a very sad man and mm. he's ruined his own life. And that is, you know, and first of all, he's gone. He can't affect me anymore. He's ruined his own life. He's made his own choices. He has to lay in that bed. Now he's lost his entire family. Um, he's not going to get him back. I mean, you know, I don't care if he found Jesus. I'd say, I'm sorry. That's 19 years. You could have stepped up. You didn't do it. And so, you know, that, which I think we, uh, we all come from uh, fairly religious backgrounds and yeah. have some fairly <laughs> new perspectives but on lives. So it's funny is that I thought, you know, before I used to fear that he'd show up at a show that I was in or something and I'd sure. be terrified. And there is the realization that when I was five years old and he was a grown adult, uh, I couldn't get away. He could hold me down. He could, you know, I mean, there was nowhere to go. If mm -hmm. he were to show up in a public place with me, I could simply leave. Or I could say, you need to leave and not follow me or I'm going to call the police because you're harassing me. Sure. If he tried to grab me or hold me down, I'm now an adult woman and he's an elderly man. I could take him in a fight, which I know sounds weird, but there's comfort in that. That if he were to grab me like he used to, I, I could overpower him and yeah. I could get away you know, and it says this indifference of, I don't wish him good. I don't wish him bad. I just wish him away from me, you mm -hmm. know, and I, and I, and it's a, a beautifully healing place. I never thought I'd get to of, you know, do I ever want to see you again? No. Do I want to talk to you again? No. Um, but I'm have, I'm, a, I'm having a good life now. And that doesn't define me at 19. When he left, my whole life was that I'd been abused. And I thought, is that my whole story? I'm now 27. And I have done and seen and heard and been so many more things. That is just such a small part of my life. And it has made me who I am today. It made me stronger. And by mm. sharing my experience, I'm very open about my abuse. I'm very open about my neurodivergency. I'm very open about a lot of things because uh, I just struggled with suicide after that. And I, I, what made me realize I wanted to live or maybe decide is I said, okay, if you're going to live, you're going to talk about it because there may be somebody in a situation like yours who doesn't know what they're going through and you might be able to help them or who's going through it and can't get out and says, you know what, Kelly Nicole did, went through all that and look what she's doing now. So maybe I can do one more day. And so I said, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to be vocal about it. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be honest about it and hope that maybe somewhere it reaches somebody who needs to hear it and knows that it will get better one day and you will be able to be at that place one day. Yeah. That's a really strong message. I feel like I'm talking so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what a podcast is for. <laughs> I uh, can I ask you a question, Marie? Yeah, sure. So you said that you are ADHD, maybe on the spectrum. Um, how has that journey been for you? Because I obviously that's something I'm very sim uh, you know, familiar with. Uh, and I and something that I am very passionate about uh, is is ableism and disability awareness and making room and space for everybody and acceptance. So I, I I'd be very interested to hear if you're open to sharing. Yeah, no. Um, so like it's funny because I think uh, there's a lot of things I know that, and I, I I found the word for it later, Katie. It's called hyperplexia. Um, <laughs> That's kind of one of the things that we always thought was funny that I did growing up. But now, like, it's not the only reason why I think I might possibly be on the spectrum. It's only kind of like, okay, things are lining up a little bit more now. Um, but I think the 
I never had words for like. And I don't know why I'm going to cry about this, but like knowing that there is a full part of like social life that I don't get like and that I can never get. And like I've become very good at masking. I've become very good at masking. I am so like calculated. And this is why it's funny. I talked to Nico about like when they're like, well, that's not what you mean. I'm like, no. It is what I mean because I'm it's so exactly what I mean. With I'm what not I saying say. things I don't mean. I know exactly yeah. what I'm saying because yeah. I have a hard time saying yeah. it to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm being mean, I'm like, if I'm being mean, I know I made a conscious decision to say what I'm going to say because I want there's a specific reaction I need or want. Like, I mean, whatever. I mean, hopefully not doing that too much. But I'm just saying I'm calculated. And not in an evil way, in a way that's like how I can get through life. On, no, I, I have to be on a road. Understand. I completely understand. I yeah. I with everything, the cocktail in my brain that happened when I was born, uh <laughs> I, I I that sounds terrible to say it out loud, and I know you probably feel the same way. Every conversation is so calculated. I, there's a formula to having a conversation. And, you know, I, I had to learn that when we were homeschooled, we would spend about maybe an hour or two on math, science, reading, writing. We'd spend five hours on social skills because we had two kids who didn't know social skills. And we would do just, oh my God, the most rigorous social skill training, which is why I can talk and communicate the way I can now. And so, you know what I mean? Like, that is the only reason, but mm. I had to learn that in a calculated way. Yeah. I don't have a normal, natural conversation. Even now, sometimes when I said I'm talking too much, I'm calculating, am I being socially acceptable right now? Am I, yeah. I need them to give me a sign that I'm doing too much because maybe yeah. I'm not, I'm not reading their facial expressions very well, or they're annoyed and they're just being nice, you know? And so even now, everything I do is very calculated and, and how I communicate is very calculated. There's few people in my life that I feel I can truly just be you know what i mean and not have to worry um yeah but for the most part i mean everyone's like kelly so kelly can make friends anywhere i can because there's a formula to it i don't know these people they're like my acquaintances you know man it's great that you like me you seem pretty nice yourself um there's a formula and that i'm doing the formula that i learned and i'm repeating a pattern yeah 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 um and i think it's funny because you know i i always have to like it's like there is a spectrum like for sure it's like i understand why people are not like they're when they look at me i'm definitely you know somebody who functions completely well in this world can Can get through everything yeah go ahead yeah no do i need to be corrected i was no 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 i i want you to love yourself more than that because hey, something that say it I, loud, feel, Kelly. I want you to love yourself more than that, Marie. <laughs> something that I feel that I see all the time. So I'm very involved in the disabled community. I'm very passionate about it. Not just, you know, I'm physical disabilities, mental disabilities. I'm a huge advocate. I know a lot about it. Um, but first of all, something that was brought to me that was very interesting is uh, someone said, well, what is um, functioning and non-functioning, you know, in autism or disabilities. Well, what's the definition of that? How useful you are to society versus how not useful you are to society. What you can Mm. contribute to capitalism versus what you can't. Hmm. Being autistic and being on the scale of autism, that's that's fine. But to say that you're you're higher functioning, you know, you're trying to justify it in a way that I think society tries to make us feel like, well, it's okay that you're spectrum because you're higher functioning. So you're not, you know right. what I mean? And there's a guilt to it though when you when you have to admit 
I'm disabled, you know, that people you, there's a guilt to it that you don't want to, you're a burden to somebody else, you know, but, but I want you to know that you can freely and openly be whatever you are on whatever spectrum you are. And that is a hundred percent. Okay. With me, this is a hundred safe for you to be that, that it doesn't not matter to me how, functioning quotations to society you are you are perfectly valid and important and you deserve to be here just because you draw draw air right that's funny i i it's fine i I try to look at people as human beings more and i don't think i do give myself that same grace but i just think it's been like um it's been hard for me to talk about because i know people don't believe me when i say it but like to know that there's like a fill, like a, like a there's filter. something I'm, that, yeah, that I'm not getting. I will, and then I know that I won't get, and like, a, and I want to so badly. Yes. And, um, but I don't. And I think I'm like, I think what you've been hearing lately is me figuring that out. Um, and knowing that maybe it's not going to change and I can't therapize my way out of it. I can't motivational tip my way out of it. Like I'm just maybe not going to get it. Um, And I'm having a hard time dealing with that um, because I want to be the best for everybody. Right. I want to be the best version, like be the best friend that I can be and like um, not get overwhelmed at the thought of like, texting somebody back and like not having <laughs> yes like it's it's just a lot and I tell people that and they're like that's silly and I like I know it's our world now in a way but yeah. like when I tell you like um being social is exhausting to me I'm <laughs> it's beyond it's like because there's so many things happening in my head right it's just mm-hmm. and I'm the funny person too so then that has mm-hmm. to, I always have to make sure I throw that in the mix. So can I just, yeah, first of all, I want to honor this moment of you being so open and honest about this, because at least for me, the fact that I just said on this podcast, all three of my disabilities, I about shit myself. You know what I mean? Because people do look at you and treat you differently. You know what I mean? First off, I just want to honor that. And I think you're so brave and I think you're so incredible. And second off, I want to, support you and love you through this journey and I want you to know that it is a journey and a path and I don't know if this gives you any hope so what's up everybody this is Brian here to tell you about our podcast Bingetown TV our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television we cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. 
Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? I have a really hard time reading, which I've been made fun of for a long time because who doesn't like to read? Are you dumb because you don't read? I have dyslexia and ADHD. So I misread things and then I go back up and then I start getting distracted. And then all of a sudden it's been two hours. I haven't read anything. And then I start yep. crying because I've been sitting with this book for two hours. And I have no information. Mm-hmm. Everyone's done already. You know, um, I, I, I thought that I thought that until literally last week, mm-hmm. I have a list of books since quarantine happened. I said, I'm going to get through all these books. It is now, oh God, is it 2023, right? Yep. I don't even know. It's 2023 and I haven't read any of them. And I start crying and my brother, my brother's autistic. And he goes, Kelly, something I've learned about myself is that I will never not be autistic. So I have to work with the autism and I have to figure out what that means. So there Mm -hmm. are things like I can't do these social things that people can do, but I can do a fraction of it. I could do a video call in and I can hang up whatever I need to. I can do one day of the week that I need to be done the rest of the days. You know what I mean? There, there's things that he has figured out for once himself. For and what, yeah, once a month. Yeah, exactly. What, <laughs> what he said to me is he goes, you're not working with your disability because you're always going to have that. It's not going to go away. You're not going to out learn or outsmart it. It's part of your brain, which I even to this day have a hard time accepting. So you know what I did? I bought an audible subscription. There you go. Um, so I can listen to books. Because I truly looked around and I said, you know what? I'm never going to read these books. And if I have free time, I'm not going to say, I want to read because reading is stressful and very hard for me. And if I'm going to read, I'm going to read scripts because I'm an actor. I'm going to read manga because I like nerd shit, you know? Like, yeah. that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to pick up a book that I have to learn something from. Um, and I bought an Audible subscription. And, and I've only had it for a week and it's been life-changing. Because I've gotten through about, like, two books so far that I hadn't read for three years. And I, I'm so mad at myself for not doing it sooner, but when I just finally said, okay, I have this, can I work with it? Suddenly going from that perspective did help me. And so the thing I wanted to pass on to you is that the more you learn about your brain, the more you learn about what you have, the more you can learn to work with it and that there is hope and that there is, uh, it's not like, this is what I have, it's the end of the world. There is, with the society we've now, there's, there's so many other ways to, to yeah. make things happen and that there are so many options still that you don't even know of. And this may be, you know, something you don't want to hear right now or, or can't hear right now, but I just want you to know that there are, there, there is space for you exactly the way you are and that you are completely okay. Exactly the way you are. Thank you. <laughs> Couldn't I have said it any better myself. <laughs> thank you, thank, thank you, Kelly and Nicole, for coming on <laughs> and like saying that specifically because it's nice to have somebody else say no, that. I, I work with disabled kids. You know, what I mean, the most that everyone I know, disabled kids will flock to me. You know, the parents will be like, "You're like a, the Pied Piper of disabilities." I'm like, "Thank you so much." I have cheese for them. No, um, but. <laughs> 
Uh, give out cheese to my disabled children. Yes. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> now I'm going to have to take these video clips and put them on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'll, and I'll repost it to I'll stitch it. Say, go check out this podcast. <laughs> I meant what I said. No, but but what I realized at this, and this goes to people with physical disabilities, mental but any kind of handicap you have, it is not up for you to make space for the world. It is up for the world to make space for you. And the day and age that we live in, there is no reason you should not be able to get around, communicate and live. You know what I mean? There's always going to be limitations based on what you can do, but there, and I think as a society, we need to adapt more to including every person of every kind of every ability. Um, People say, well, you know, what do you think? Do you think that we all just need to accept these neurodiverse people and they can't communicate, blah, blah, blah. I think it goes both ways. I couldn't communicate. And so I did a social skills masterclass for five years. That being said, my friends know, oh, Kelly is not understanding the situation. Kelly is not reading the room right now. And they know to say, Kelly, everyone's fighting. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? They're what? I thought we were. I thought they were laughing. Like no, they're 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 trying to kill each other. I'm like, oh my god. Like I mean, literally, would shoo over my head. Um, you know, there there are both ways. There are both ways to say. You know, when I go out with my friends who who are disabled, who are autistic, who are Down syndrome, I have a lot. You know, they say people birds of a feather flock together. I have a lot of disabled friends because I think we all communicate in a similar way, and so it's very comfortable. But and you probably never... can communicate effectively with each other well, as well because like you all have. Saying, I say what I mean, you know, yeah. because that's it. We all say, how do I look today? You look ugly, change. Okay, thank you. And that's it. And it's not offensive because we're just being completely ugly with no social skills. It's just, <laughs> I don't think you look good in that. What would I look good in? Well, let me see, you know, and it, it's not a mean thing. It's just, we are both neurodivergent and we're getting to the point, you know, and that's that. Yeah. And it may not work for everybody. But that being said, when I go out with my my friends, I do know that like, hey, we're going to go into a loud environment. Did you bring your noise canceling headphones? If not, I have a pair. Hey, um, are these lights bothering you? Do you want to step outside? You know, there's things that, that I make allowances for, things that they make allowances for, you know what I mean? And that being said, with physical disabilities, the, the amount, and I know, Katie, you just experienced this because you were in a wheelchair and, and on crutches, the yeah. amount of uh, abilities for ramps, for mm. um, elevators, for uh, disabled friendly bathrooms, for disabled <laughs> yeah. friendly doors, um, for for the ability to get around gonna... apartments, um, vehicles, transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a far long way to go, and maybe and my you know I have somebody who is both mentally and physically disabled in different ways, and so since for so for a couple of years now, when I go places. The first thing I look around for, is there a ramp? Is there an automatic door? The first things I see when I go to new places, how disability friendly is this? Are these yeah. fluorescent lights that would set off my friend? Are, you know what I mean? And I wish that more people would think about this um, because it, it would make the world a better place. And a point that I want to make is that the disabled community is the only community you are always available uh, eligible for. So let me say that again, I stuttered. The disabled community is the only community you are always eligible for at any time. You can become a part of the disabled community at any part of your life at the last second because you get a scrape that gets infected, because you fall, because you get mm. diagnosed, because uh, you lose your legs, because you can't see. That is the one community that is always accepting new people into that community that you yeah. don't have a say of. And you know what I hear people say, especially with long COVID going around, they say, God, I didn't even know how bad it was for disabled people. Yes, because you're not looking because it doesn't affect you. And you right. don't want to look at it because it's so, oh, it's, it's frustrating for me and my life is, you know, it's, I don't want to think about this, it's so sad. But these are human beings who live in our world and there's a lot of them. There's well, a lot and, of them. 
And it, it's true. And, it, you know, like I had a very small taste of it just, you know, in recovery. And it, yeah. it's it's horrifying how people treat you. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I, I feel like like not that I want to be like crown prince of, you know, disabilities <laughs> by any means. Like that's not something that I ever wanted or like cared for. But like I do think that like this this idea of just being a little bit kinder to the fellow man and like being more accessible to people going the extra mile you know somebody uh somebody cuts me off on the freeway and i want to get mad and i thought to myself i think maybe their kid is in the hospital right now Mm, maybe they just got laid off from their job and they're really upset you know and and so what i do no matter what even they flip me off i stop and i breathe and i i say out loud i send you love i send you understanding i hope your day gets better because I don't know what they're going through. I think yeah. if everyone looked around a little more and said, oh, I could put a ramp in here. Looked around a little more and said, hey, um, I don't need to use the elevator because somebody else needs it. Looked around a little more and said, hey, maybe I could change these lights so it's a little more friendly or had waiting rooms for people who can't handle big crowds. You know, it, it would make a better place. And a, a big thing, and I know this is a very controversial thing to say, um, is that I see a lot with the COVID pandemic because the immunocompromised community is completely abandoned right now. People don't want to wear masks. They're done because they're safe. They're vaccinated and boosted. But for the immunocompromised, um, this is still a life-threatening thing. And a lot of them can't get vaccinated due to their uh, many health conditions. Um, And so something that that hurts me is that people saying, well, I'm vaccinated and wear a mask. People like that can stay home. Well, who's going to pay for them to stay home? How are they going to afford to get food? How are they going to... Also, do they not deserve to live a full life just because they're immunocompromised? I say, if you're going to go to a concert or to Disneyland or wherever, and you don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. That's not a necessity. But if you're going to the grocery store, to the Mm -hmm. pet store, to get the mail, if you are going to the hospital, to the dentist, if you're going somewhere that somebody would necessarily have to go to, I think it's not a hard thing to put cloth over your face to protect them. Whether you're carrying a virus or not, whether you are, uh, you know, had been around COVID or not, because it gives them that extra protection to live and live their life, even if it's just smaller spaces. And right now I'm still in quarantine because my, my family's very high risk. My brother, very immunocompromised. My mother is in an age range that it is, I'm not going to say because she'll be mad, but she's in an age range <laughs> that is uh, highly susceptible. And so I haven't left my house. Now this is year four we're going on. And Jeez. there are things that I miss. I think, man, I'm vaxxed and boosted. I could go out, you know what I mean? I could get an apartment and say, I'll see you later. But the truth is, I also look at the other immunocompromised people and elderly people who are being abandoned in the situation and completely forgotten about so we can go back to normal. The pandemic yeah. isn't over. No, the, the CDC, the World Health, no one has declared it as over. We just decided we didn't want to deal with it anymore. And so we go about our lives as if it's not. But there's a whole community of disabled people, of elderly people, who we have abandoned because we don't want to look at them. That same mm. people in wheelchair, you know what I mean? It's the same concept of what we just talked about before that I think, you know, regardless of your thoughts on masks, on COVID, on the pandemic, on your own life and the things that you do, if you can take the step to wear a mask and make it safer for somebody else, I don't see why that would be such a hard thing to do. Or to ask yeah. of somebody, you know, I mean, really, I, 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 and it's something that I'm very passionate about as well. Um, and I, I understand everyone has very different lives and very different, you know, things they know and they don't know and, and, and things they have to do every single day. Um, you know, one reason why I'm still inside is because if I wanted to go back to work while well, I'm acting, 
So I couldn't really wear a mask on camera or on stage. And so I realized that I'm probably not going to go out until it's safe for my family. Um, but if I were going out, let's say I worked a, de a desk job, I would wear a mask everywhere I go. When I have to put gas in my car because I try to drive it so it doesn't like go stale and die in the car in the garage, uh, <laughs> I put a mask on when I put gas in the car. I wear a mask when I walk down to the mailbox because I, no one else in my neighborhood wears a mask anymore. They don't. But I think some of them are older, you know? Yeah. And and maybe, you know, maybe I'm helping them feel a little safer. Or maybe they don't they think I'm crazy, but you know, maybe they've been out somewhere and they're gonna give it to me. I don't know. But you know, yeah. in this in, in where we are at with the state of health and you know, we are actually now the the one of the biggest disabling events is COVID with long COVID mm -hmm. right now. Um and and I'm sorry, I'm 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 going no, into please. a thing and I, I but anyway, I so I just want to make it clear that I'm not trying to chastise anyone. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad about themselves or make them angry or make them feel like they did something wrong. What I'm trying to do right now is make a point that there is a community uh, of disabled people that are being left behind, abandoned, mm. not thought of and not cared for and have not mm. been able to safely live their life, go to their doctor's appointments, get groceries, be able to keep their house or their job because everyone who is able-bodied is not thinking about the effect it has on them. Just like we right. don't think about, oh, there's no ramp here. We don't think about, oh, these lights might bother someone. We would think about, oh, a crowded situation could be hard. Yeah. Yeah. For several people and also on the spectrum of ability. Yeah. yeah. You know, so again, it's like, I get, if you're going somewhere, you know, a party, whatever, you know, people who are immunocompromised are not going to parties right now because they're immunocompromised. But if you're going to necessity places where someone has to get groceries, they might have to work there. You know, if I'm going to the office building, there could be someone disabled or immunocompromised who worked at the desk. And, you know, they're, they're just on luck right now because they have to keep working. So yeah. maybe if what I you, go in with my mask, it does, it maybe it's a little bit to help them. Yeah. What do you suggest for like the average listener just in general, just to be at least a little bit more aware of in the day-to-day -day process? The number one thing I would say is the next time you are out somewhere, I want you to stop and I want you to look around. Uh, when you're in a public place, in a, in a mall, a big shopping center, concert, whatever, I just want you to stop and look and try to see how many disability-friendly options there are there um, and see how many things could be difficult for a disabled person or triggering to see how many people go out every single day with the cold and flu because they don't care that could affect somebody um take a, an extra second to just consider the disabled community and maybe you know keeping a mask in your car and grabbing it you know what i mean again my, what i'm saying here isn't gonna keep people to wear masks again what i'm saying here isn't gonna get ramps put in what i'm saying here is not gonna you know solve the disabled community and all of a sudden no one's no. made fun of and everything's great and social skills are <laughs> fine. Right. Um, no, it, it's just a but what I hope is that if somebody, if somebody is acting weird socially, give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they don't have very good social skills or they have something that, you know, prevents them from knowing what you know. Give them that. Give them that kindness. Do you have to say it? Just keep talking to them and let them be a little bit odd, you know? Um, again, it's, it's the little things that really add up. It's everyone puts their marble in a jar, eventually that jar fills up and it makes a difference. So even if you're just like, I'm gonna start wearing a mask to the grocery store from now on and nowhere else, that's great. Even if you're like, I'm gonna start, uh, when there's a weird kid in class who doesn't have friends, I'm gonna go 
have a conversation, you will have lunch with them. That's great. Even if you're like, hey, um, to the owner of this very large, rich establishment, have you ever considered putting in a ramp? Have you ever considered, do you have any disabled friendly spaces that I could know about? You know, bringing that up to their attention. I had a, I had in uh, 2021, 2020, was it? Uh, a, a local uh, politician come up and, you know, try to get everyone to sign for, um, uh, you know, That's get right. me into office and sign. So so he says, you know, he's all like, well, I want to talk to you. And he goes, yeah, what do you want to ask me? And I turned to him and I said, what are you doing for the disabled community? He goes, what? I said, what are you doing? What are your plans to help the disabled community? And he goes, I'm so sorry. I have to be honest with you. I, I have been to over 5,000 houses. No one has asked me that question. I've, hmm. I've never been asked this question. I've been asked about education. I've been asked about child. I've been asked about jobs. I've been asked about, I mean, the weather even. Hmm. And then he asked me, what would you like to see me do? And I gave him a list. I said, this is what yeah. I think would be good. And here's the starting points and here's what we could build to. At the end of it, he told me, you should run. You should run because you could make some changes. I'm like, I just want to. I just want to make art, guys. Come on. Um, but it, it was, I think what's interesting to me is that the fact that because I asked about that, it made him think about it for the first time, maybe in his life, right. maybe in his pol political right. career. So by people going out there and bringing it up and asking somebody in a position of power about it, it's putting it into their mind, maybe for the first time ever in their life. I'm aware that the reason I know so much is because I was raised in a household with someone who was physically and mentally disabled. I'm mentally disabled and there's a lot of things going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm aware that most people are not and they don't, they don't know or see these things. This is not an everyday thing. They're not educated on this at all. So, you know, by listening to this podcast, I, I hope at least for this part that you that it, it makes you think for a second and, and take an extra step of consideration uh, of things you've never maybe seen before. Um, one thing I might relate it to is um, the black community. So when I was a kid growing up in my white neighborhood in Arizona, um, I didn't really think racism was a problem. Well, of course I didn't, I was white. I was a white young girl and I didn't see it, you know? And one day I had a classmate uh, and she was actually Indian and uh, uh, she, was being bullied and, and torn apart. And I kind of asked her, well, this must be a rare thing to happen. And she kind of unloaded on me, like, what is, what the fuck, Kelly? You know, and, and oh, she kind of told me what was going on, what was going on. And I went on the internet that night uh, when I got home from school and I started Googling racism and recent racial attacks and recent, you know, racism in our society. And is racism, is racism gone since it's been up, you know, slavery's abolished and now we're fine. And yeah. I was so surprised i think i was like eight or nine years old i was so surprised and i cried i cried all night long because of what i found out was happening but the truth is somebody had to bring that up to me because i was in a neighborhood in a situation where i didn't see it so why would i consider it you know what i mean it's right. same thing with with gay rights i was i'm i'm very queer now i'm asexual i'm pan romantic i was raised in a homophobic household you didn't say gay okay you didn't say any of that, that was an unacceptable, you know what I mean? And so because of that, when I was in the queer community, when I kind of first was coming out, there were things that I would say, oh, I don't think we can do that. Like, what do you mean, Kelly? You know, it was not a community I was raised in or made aware of or made acceptable for me or accessible to me. So I hope that when I talk about disabilities, people don't feel bad, like, oh my God, I've done something bad. I hope that you take this opportunity to learn something that you maybe have never heard before and take that into consideration and take into consideration somebody else who is facing challenges that you hopefully will never have to. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I, I, 
I think that's an important perspective. Sorry to interrupt. I just want to be like, I hear you and I need to do better just about people I'm around and I, I can do. It's easy. And honestly, I'm somebody who gets sick a lot and I've gotten COVID yeah. twice. Oh, like, why not? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> why not do a little bit better? And uh, yeah. So thank you, actually. Um, I think it's an important reminder. And uh, I, 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 you know, you would think I, I remember when my dad was sick, how mindful I was of it. Um, because the Lord knew I did not want to be the one to bring COVID home to my dad who had lung cancer, right? Like, I think that was that every day, I think any risk I take, I, I had to go to the dentist uh, the other day and I was like, I mean, I was having a panic attack about it because I don't want to be the one who brings back something to my family and then something happens to them. Yeah. My yeah. God, I could never live with myself. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. can I, um, oh. I'm sorry, I'm so passionate about the subject. I really am about the disabled community and about spreading awareness. I, I made a video. It's one of the most popular TikTok videos. It's called Tell Me You're Ableist Without Telling Me You're Ableist. And it's things people say that are very ableist. Mm-hmm. The point of the video wasn't for people to see it and say, she thinks I'm a bad, she's calling me names. She's calling me ableist, which a lot of people took it as. The point of the video was two things. One, the disabled community came in bulk saying, oh my God, I feel so seen and heard. And mm-hmm. two was I hope that you would watch it and say, oh my God, I've, I've said something like that. And not think I'm a bad person because I don't think that you, I think intention has a lot to do with it. You know, Oprah says, when you know better, you do better. You know, if you know something's bad and you still do it, then then I have a problem with you. But if you say something like, you know, well, why can't you just walk there? And you truly don't, and you're five years old, you don't know any better. I I remember at six years old, I asked this man, I was waiting for the bus and I turned to this guy's dad and said, why are you bald at five? Because that's what five-year-olds ask. And this guy made up a story saying, because it reflects the sun and I stay cooler. And I believed him. I was like, whoa, cool. And you know, I would never ask somebody that randomly at this age, but I didn't know any better. Sure. So all that to say, I hope they'd see the video and think, oh, I've done something like that. And I I take responsibility and acceptance that I did that. And I'm going to take this information and, and hopefully move forward and do better with it. Uh, a personal, I, it's hard to, to oh, it's hard to admit your, your, your wrongdoings. Uh, when I was 16, like I said, we were in a house where you did not say the word gay. You did not. I had a gay aunt. I didn't know about her until she was in the hospital one day. And only because my mom said something and my dad was like, no, she's not our family. Like that's how, oh, boy. like, I was like, who, who is this? Um, my friend came up to me as bi and I said, nice. And there was a silence and I said, ha ha, are you into me? Ha ha ha. Right. And why did I say that? Uh, I know. It's so, and at the time oh, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so now when I was 23 and I came out to a friend, I said, I'm a pan romantic. And the friend goes, oh, huh, are you into me? And I remember being offended. And then I stopped and I thought, you know, I don't think they know what to say. I'm going to, again, give them the benefit of the doubt that they were not raised in this this community. I wasn't. And I just took a moment to say, hey, I just want you to know that you may have been this in a funny way, but it's almost a little offensive because I'm trying to be very vulnerable with you and you're kind of making it about you. And I don't think that's your intention at all because I know you and I trust you enough to come out to you. But I just want to let you know that in case anybody ever comes out to you in the future, you know, this don't might be that. a more appropriate response. And yeah, right. do I blame my 16-year-old self? I'm ashamed and embarrassed that I said that, you know what I mean? But I was 16, I didn't know any better. I was just, didn't know what to say. And I was, I was trying to be supportive and I was trying to, I don't know. You don't know what I was trying right. to do at 16. I had no information about anything. So I gave that friend who I came up to the benefit of the doubt of saying, hey, I'm going to say that maybe you don't know either, you know, 
And they immediately said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. So again, with, with when I say, talk about ableist things, when I talk about homophobic things, when I talk about racist things, I'm not talking this to make you be like, she thinks I'm a bad person. I'm talking because you probably don't know. I'm giving you the fact that you maybe don't know that you're in a community that you, you have no idea what you're saying is so terrible. And I want you to fix it. And I want you to be better because we're all human and we all make mistakes and we only know so much. And I want to educate and I want to teach and I, I want to learn, you right. know? And, and so I, I just can only hope that, you know, I don't know, we can all continue to do that. And, and again, if you hear this information and you're thinking like, she's judging me, I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just giving you a little more information and I hope that you take it and move it into a positive direction. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that Marie says quite a bit, um, which I've always really enjoyed, especially in, when odd things come up or people behave in terrible manners, yeah. is intention versus impact. Um, mm-hmm. And you as a 16 year old, your intention was clearly to be supportive and your impact may not have reflected that directly in the moment, but like your continued impact is to be someone who is supportive and has learned from these kinds of things that yeah. might be a little bit embarrassing. We've all been that embarrassing little well, And shit, I wanted to know? own like, up to that publicly we- because I think that yeah. You know, people don't want to talk about it. It's funny, though. I did talk. We're still friends. I talked to her years later after that happened to me. And I said, hey, at 16, I did this to you. And I'm so sorry. And she was like, I don't even remember that. I was like, I just want you to know. And, and yeah. she like thinks back and she goes, I remember being offended. I remember being like, oh, Kelly, she's just being Kelly. You know, and she has no social skills, like, which I didn't have social skills. Um, it's funny because, again, that that may have offended me. And it, it, to her, she was like, I didn't offend me at all. I didn't care. I thought you were just, you know, make a joke. I thought it was funny. And I was like, yeah, you, you know gay for you you gross ass animal and i was like all right fine you know we were riffing off each other you know it might be you know but again you know that's why i think it's important to say it because it may not have been yeah. offensive to her but to me it was because i was being very vulnerable and well, so and, in, and your intention yeah. in reflecting on that is like is to improve your impact so what yeah. I'm saying is that, like, I, I feel like when you kind of – a lot of times when people face these, like, oh, they're judging me for doing this or whatever, it's almost like the, people tend to double down on whatever perspective it is or double down on their action or, or like, reinvest in. I think – I don't like cancel culture. I like accountability mm-hmm. culture because, yeah. you know, my mom was was – I don't want to say what year she's born. She'll get mad. My mom was born a while ago. Um, and there are things she grew up with that were socially acceptable. They were not good, but they were socially acceptable and they were quote unquote normal that now she's unlearning actively. I'm so proud. I mean, she's really adamant about being like, oh my God, I can't believe I, you know, I was 16 and I was, you know, all those things that, you know, and um, what am I trying to say about this? What I'm trying to say is that when you know better, you do better. So when celebrities make a mistake or say something wrong and, you know, people want to say, well, they're canceled, they're done. I want to get the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't know. And they might come out and say, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I might say something, um, I don't know, uh, uh, ableist, right? And it really hurts the disabled community. And they say, Kelly and Nicole did this. That's when it's on me to come out and say, I'm so sorry. I have now educated myself. I have now looked into this. I am now taking action to help the disabled community and seeing what I've done. The cancel culture comes when you keep making the mistake or saying, well, I don't care. I feel justified in what I said. You know, I think having accountability and knowing that we're all human and we don't know everything and that we are going to make mistakes and then being willing as humans to to own up to those mistakes and then yeah. do better and also make a point to go back and do right by the community that we offended, I think, is also yeah. a very important well, thing. 
And I think that's kind of like why I can, I, I think more I, I can agree with where you're coming from. Cause um, like that, I do say intention over impact. Like when you do mm-hmm. something really horrible to somebody and didn't intend it, great. But I also, we have to acknowledge the harm. The exactly. And I, think, um, and I think that the way you're describing it is, it is actually acknowledging the impact in your, yeah. even if your intention wasn't there, you're acknowledging, like, I didn't know any better and not leaving it at that. Cause I think sometimes that's where people leave it. Well, I didn't know. Yeah. So get over it. And but you know no, what? it's like, I didn't know. Let me fix this. Yeah. Well, now, why are you making me feel bad? Cause I didn't know. I, yeah. get, I get it already. Right. You yeah. know, which is, that- which is re- truly the message that I'd like to get out, especially on this point is that like, there are oftentimes where people, you know, will <laughs> will fail at something and then give up, um, or be embarrassed by something and then give up. And I want to create a space for so many people in so many different fields and so many different ways of thought and process, and be like, I will fuck up, I will yeah. get these things wrong, I will be embarrassing, but I will also try and learn to be better to do better. Like you're saying, Kelly, and yeah. I, I feel like that's truly what we need to get out of these different things. Like when, you know, we have a pandemic that is still going on and is still affecting so many people, you know, let's be louder for these communities. Absolutely. Um, and I know that everybody I know is sick of hearing about it from me. They're sick of it. And I know that I'm probably more into so it because good. I live in a household that it affects, it affects a lot more people, you know, yeah. but I think if I don't talk about it, who will? And that there are more exactly. people being disabled every day. And that I look online, I'm in these disabled communities, people who are like, I feel abandoned. I feel like nobody, I feel expendable. People mm-hmm. have literally looked at what I am and looked at what they want to do and said, oh, I'm willing to sacrifice you for what I want. Your life is not that important based on me being able to go see this concert or me being Oof. able to go see my family for the holidays. You know, that's how they feel. Really, that's how they feel. Um, and, you know, so I, I think it's important that, that we do talk about this, you know what I mean? That we do, that it is mentioned because it's not being talked about in the news. It's not being talked about mainstream, you know, and, and there are people's lives who are affected. Yeah, sure. For so, sure. but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's not just the accountability of, okay, I did it, but I did it. I understand now how it affected you. I'm sorry that it affected you that way. Yeah. And even the extra step of, can I do anything to make it up? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, it's accepting that, which I think as humans, we don't like to be wrong and we don't like to, uh you know own up to things i think that are that we see as negative yeah oh because that that means we'd have to change and that sounds like a lot of hard work like, <laughs> we don't want to do that yeah there's one thing i've learned about a lot of people is that they are not willing to put in the hard work and yeah. <laughs> that's also one of the things that's so silly to me every time i go to pt and they're like wow you're really working hard and i was like yeah, because I'm supposed to because I, I want to be better <laughs> i uh this is so funny. So I've been, this is now year four of quarantine. I feel like I'm a completely different person than I was in 2019 sure. because I've had to sit with myself and I've taken this time to really examine and really dive deep and really try to better myself and go through things. And it was funny because last year, I think in like the summer, somebody I used to work with texted me and she's like, can I call you? I said, sure. And she calls me and she's telling me about a place I used to work about work drama. And I was like, oh my God, she's in the exact same place. She's in the exact same place, in the exact same situation. She has not grown or changed. She's the exact same person. I haven't talked to her in two years. And and there's been no growth or change at all. 
but some people don't want to, you know what I mean? It has to be a conscious choice. I think at a, a certain level, because our, our, our subconscious resists it really. But I think what a brave thing to do to work on yourself, to try to change for the better, you know? Yeah, no, that's, it's a huge thing. And it's, it's lovely to hear those stories. <laughs> you know? I, have a, I have a similar physical therapy story. So I have a broken pussy. Oh. Um, yeah, that was starting. Marie, Marie, like, Marie, you got, I know. Um, Marie's like, you fucking kidding me? Uh, out of here. Um, I have a, a extreme, uh, oh God, what is it called? Floor, I have pelvic floor dysfunction. Okay. In the opposite direction. So everything's fucking tight up there. It is like a brick wall. Now, I didn't ever know. I'm as an asexual. I have no interest in sex. So clearly I'm not going around doing anything. It was not until uh, actually last year that the pelvic floor pain was squeezing my inner organs to where there were day- moments I could not move or get out of bed because I was oh. in so much pain. And I had to start seeking, you know, I, I went to doctors even during COVID because I was like, I, I can't move. You know what I mean? And I went to pelvic floor therapy. Um, and my public floor therapist is like, you're one of the worst kids I've ever seen. Like you are, you are a very severe case and I don't know that it's going to ever get better for you. Right. So she Jeez. would give me every week exercises to do. And like you, Katie, I would do them religiously because I want to be healthy. I want to get better. I don't want to have pain. I want my body to be able to relax. And a lot of that too, people say, oh, it's from your sexual trauma. It's which, you know, sure. abuse and everything. Uh, or it's also from if you've lived a really stressful life, like, well, clearly, uh, you know, it can all cause all that. So I did so much that in six months, she said, you can go. And I said, you said it's going to be a a five-year journey. She goes, I don't know what to tell you. Like you've done everything I told you to do and you've done it great. And you're, uh, here's what you should keep doing. And if you have any problems in the future, call me. But like, you're at a point where you're, you've done it, you know, because I'm like you, Katie, I, if you give me homework, I want to do it. I want to get better. I want That's to improve. I'm that, I'm that, I'm that nerdy student that like you give me directions <laughs> and like, I, it was funny cause my PT today, she was like, yeah, um, there's this machine it's called the bfr i think i talked about it before on the podcast but it's blood flow regulator it cuts off the circulation to my leg and then i have to do exercises worst part of the day i hate it i usually leave it to the end um she's like oh we've got some new exercises for you uh you're gonna need to get through the bfr a lot quicker um so that we can get to those exercises and i was like okay (laughs) and so she kind of leaves me to go do it and I'm cranking them out. And she comes over and she's like, you are really going through these. And I was like, you told me to do this. I'm going to do this. She's like, I know you'll yeah. give me more than 100%. I was like, yeah. So like, unless you want me to do this, like, I was like, so do you want me to ease up? She's like, no, Be keep specific. going. <laughs> oh, my God. I, this is one thing I love about you. But I think also that comes from, I think for me, uh, go back to the disabled thing is I have a brother who is also physically disabled. And yeah. so in Arizona, it can be 120 degrees. And I can say, Oh, I gotta get the mail. I hate it. Instead, I say, yeah. Wow, I have two legs that can walk down and get the mail. And mm-hmm. I don't have a condition about heat that makes me pass out in the heat. I, mm-hmm. I will be sweaty, but I can go get the mail. This will be hard, but I have the body and the ability to do it. I have a lot that a lot of other people have. You know, that's exactly what we were talking about on the last episode, the sort of like, you know, well, oh, well, as as, oh, well, oh, well. Yeah. I, I get it, yeah. it's not as bad as this or it's not as bad as mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah it, it if it's the one thing that can get you going to the task, sometimes it's like it's a nice little catalyst. And yeah, yeah. 
yeah, it feels flippant to say, oh, well, but at the same time, it also feels pretty good to get that done. <laughs> Katie, yeah. were you also the kid in theater when the director would be like, give me more, and then you'd give so much, they'd say, okay, like, give me, like, a little They'd be less. like, whoa, oh, shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that, you take that, it literally. You said, okay, yeah. I will. Well, and, that, and, and a lot of the time, I think that's also perceived as gullibleness or whatever. Um, like, I literally had an audition once um, that went exactly that way where they were like okay well, we need you to do this and so i did and they're like could you not upset the other people i'm like what, what do you want <laughs> that's what you just told me to do yeah 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 uh they're like go all out and i did and they're like okay pull it back and i was like okay but you said that's <laughs> uh, why i hate uh, workout tapes because i've been trying to exercise uh and so i actually if you guys want a fun except for adhd i have a hard time doing the same thing over and over again i bought this game it's on the switch it's called switch ring fit and it's literally a video yeah. game where you go through and you do exercise to get through these levels but it's something new every time you're walking through somewhere and it keeps me going but that's before great. that i was doing these workout videos and they'd say now give me more okay now give me more than that now give me the most and at the first give me more i'm like i'm at the, i'm doing the Already. most my body can physically do i can't give you anymore i'm not fucking okay i'm not fucking around here all right you said give me more i'm giving you more i don't have any more I'll give you. you the most i'm giving and she's like give me more but there is no more who are you teaching that's phoning it in okay i'm not phoning it in right now <laughs> Agreed. that's where i have to set up my boundaries sometimes <laughs> Um, you guys, is there anything coming up this week that you're excited for that you're looking forward to? You know, I leave for Austin tomorrow. I do. So I do. How I you am, feeling about that mentally? I, I have so much anxiety about it. Um, okay. I'm like, I was in tears earlier. Yeah. So, um, but Nico keeps saying like, just, uh, you're leaving <laughs> you're gonna go you don't have to worry about it like you don't want to be there anymore anyways it's so, a temporary job it's, it's temporary. a temporary job yeah i mean as much as it's like it is paying the bills you're doing well like this is not I, one of the things that i've had to say for so many <laughs> different jobs that like i've hated is this is not forever this is not forever and it's not yes you know i used to talk to my brother he's having a bad health night and i said Remember that this is just a moment in time and 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 a few hours or days you will look back and say, man, remember when I felt that way and you will be feeling different. Remember that bad times are just times that are bad. Yeah. yeah. Can I? Yeah. I You probably want, cut me off if you want me to, but you just brought up something, Marie, that I, that I kind of want to jump into yeah. a little bit. And that is giving up control. Mm. Yeah. I'm a type A person. I plan everything. That a pandemic happened and I have not been able to plan anything or been able to know what's going to happen for years now. And it's been hard for me. And I think in a way I feel a failure of not being able to be in control, but I also feel a freedom in accepting what's coming. You know what I mean? And, and is it a bad thing or is it a good thing to give up control? You know, and I think going to these new jobs, these opportunities that you don't want to do that are out of your control, you know, they feel very negative. I think you can be very proud of yourself for, you know, allowing yourself and your, and your, and your soul that doesn't want to do this to explore something new and to experience and to know that you will come back to safety. You know what I mean? Am I, am I crazy? Am I sounding crazy right now? No, I, I think like I'm trying to, I'm trying to live in this space. Like if I can conquer this, like that's exciting. Like if I can get through this, 
um, with my head like still intact. And I believe that I'm like committing to doing that, like, and believing yeah. in doing that because um, I don't want to have a miserable trip. I just yeah. want to kind of, I like, I know who these people are. I know how they can be. I'm going to hope that they're not going to be that way and just be like, smile through it. And I guess it's like, um, they've already shown me the worst, right? Yeah. <laughs> they already exactly. shown me the worst. Um, you know, just, uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think that the thing is each time I do one of these trips though, like I love the, the, what I'm doing part the work. Like I, that if I get to just do more work, that's what I would like to do. Like make it about the work. Um, so I'm holding on to, I'm nervous. Cause like I, apparently I wasn't supposed to book my flight for tomorrow morning. And I, cause I'm now I'm the problem is that I'm flying during work. So, what did they tell you this <laughs> when like, did they tell you flying this? during work and i'm like yeah in the morning i was like i was like i'm going a day early but either way i would be flying shit is during just- work yeah i think that's the thing is i was telling nico i was like for more than five six years i've been i've had complete autonomy yeah um yeah. and this is weird. Like I'm, yeah. cause I said, I'm going to have my internet on, so I'm still going to be able plane. to like work. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> is the company paying for your internet on the plane? No, I'm paying for it. Yeah. Because you're missing quote unquote work. First of all, make sure that you write that off on your taxes because that is an expense that they should be covering besides the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But <laughs> you're making all efforts to show up even though you're going to be on a plane like this is yeah do you, I get, do you so press it, and you can call me yeah anytime. so that's i'm just like oh it started already like i'm like i'm hoping it was just kind of like i'm just like hoping like i can get on the internet like it's not anything weird happens and just like oh well like I think that's the point of working from home. Like yeah. that if, if I'm in a coffee shop or if I'm in, you know, the streets, if, if I'm working, like, what does it Who matter? Cares? I yeah. do not get it um, at all. But yeah. I would say it, it feels like they're, they're testing you by putting out some jabs, you know, let it, yeah. let it like water off a duck's back, you know, yeah. let it fall off if you can. And if you want to bitch about it, I, my number is I up. Will. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a chance I'm going to be spoken to about it, but um, that's where what? I'm like, I'm just going to, like, don't worry about this. Like, just sit if that's, through it. If that's the case, well, then they need to book your flights. Like, if they, right, if they need you at a flight. certain time, yeah, then, then if it wasn't a set precedent before I got into this circumstance that I was supposed to come at a certain time or not during a certain time. So you need to book my flights if that's the case. Otherwise I'm there when I'm there. (laughs) Like, I guess like I've been telling her, I was like, I'm going a day early so I can like meet my family at night, like and have dinner with them. That is the most normal thing ever. (laughs) So what I'm saying is I, it's, it's, it's a lot of mental, like I'm, I'm really am like, you are gonna love what you're going to do. You're gonna have a great yeah. time that way. I just you're see your like, family. You, I'm not used to people not liking me. 
I think that's where a lot of it is like, and I'm not talking like I've had coworkers who didn't like me, but like not my manager yeah, looking out for things to, for me to get. I'm just like, Oh yeah. shit. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm in trouble <laughs> like all the time. Um, but would it, I mean, if it gets down to the point of them giving you a conversation, would it be good to just ask, I feel like I'm in trouble all the time. Well, yeah, I think I'll say that. Or (laughs) I think I might just quit. (laughs) Do you have a return flight book? Yeah, no, I do. I I don't think I'd quit on the job. What I'm saying is, if I'm because because you know they're gonna just save it all up to have a conversation with me later, like they Uh, did last time, instead of confronting me about it right away. Um, Because we're you know. I think I would probably just say it's like I think it's enough. Um, I just got a little part-time job uh, on the side recently. Great. And um, you know, I guess I'll just kind of have to go back on unemployment, or I don't know. I guess I couldn't go on unemployment, but so maybe it's better to let them fire me. But um, I'd figure it out because I am never like I am. Traveling is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And the fact that I'm in tears because mm. I'm so nervous about going, like, that's, this it's is not, not worth it. It's not, not worth it. No. Is Kelly still there? I'm still here. I'm listening. Oh, it was frozen. I was going to tell you uh, that yeah. I'm very proud of you and that whatever happens, I'm very proud of you. However this goes or whatever direction you go in, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you uh, for any decision that is made. And I'm proud of you for putting yourself out there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to take care of me. Like yeah. that's all I can do. So, but I and believe in myself. I believe important. I can get through this. I, I believe that too. I can be happy and, or you know, not rock the boat too much. <laughs> <laughs> there are good jobs. There are good jobs. I haven't had one in a minute, but there are good jobs. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my mentor was saying that. I was like. I was like, is there any place you could work that doesn't have toxicity? He's like, well, yes and no. He's like, there's always <laughs> going to be some stuff. He's like, there's always going to be something. He's like, but there are better work environments. He's like, I can promise you that. He's like, there's this. He's like, the, this isn't, it doesn't this have isn't to be always. Like this. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. oh boy. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what you... I'm doing tomorrow yes. morning. <laughs> Let us Katie, know. Katie, do you have anything that you're looking forward to this week? Oh, Thank yeah. you for asking. Um, I um, uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, so I'm going. <laughs> I'm going on a walk with my elderly neighbor who had knee surgery replacement. Um, we're going tomorrow. Um, we did one lap around the block that we live um, on Tuesday, and that went really well. And I'm excited and nervous to do it again tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's, I feel like a, like a baby giraffe, just like cantering everywhere. <laughs> You're <laughs> but, like Bambi uh, when he's trying to stand for the first time. hundred percent. Yeah. Only I'm like <laughs> 80 feet taller. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a far way down when I fall <laughs> and it's scarier and scarier each time, but, uh, I'm excited about that. Um, I think. I still, as far I saw a couple texts pop up. I don't know, but I, I have a dinner with a friend on Sunday, and um, hopefully that's still on. Um, otherwise, I'll be excited to have 
um, some time off. We are having a break. We're going into hiatus on The Amazing Race. And um, I'm scared, but looking forward to the time off. Um, you know, probably going to go on unemployment as well. Uh, once again, just kind of how it goes sometimes. Um, and I, I've told myself, and this is really, this is what's freaking me out, but I'm excited about it. I am going to focus on my acting. I'm going to focus on my health and I'm going to focus on the wedding and I'm not going to freak out about the job because I know I have things in place and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm going to try and actively not freak out about being in career free fall (laughs) again. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited. I'm nervous and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) I think that's wonderful to take time for yourself. And honestly, I think you one, I think in, in the society, we, we, we equate ourselves to our job so much and you are so much more yeah. than what your job and your title is. And um, I just think that's wonderful that you're, you're going to have some time to really focus on a lot of things that you love. You know what I mean? Your yeah. health, your wedding, uh, acting, these are all things that are that are a self-love thing. And I think that's just a beautiful thing. Thanks. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. No, Definitely. Well, Kelly, it has been amazing. This is, I mean, say this with every guest, but this is for sure true. <laughs> like, you're going to be back on, I know, uh, for I'd sure. I'd be honored. I would be yeah. honored. I had, I have to tell you, I've had so much fun. I've done a few Good. podcasts. This is the best one. I love you guys. Oh, I, I, I told you, I said this before we started recording. I'll say it again. You guys are a safe space, and you make me feel like this is a very safe, loving space to really just communicate and have a conversation. And I really appreciate that. And Absolutely. you guys are doing a fantastic job and talking about some fantastic <laughs> things. And so uh, I really am, I'm so uh, on, honored and thrilled that you even wanted to talk to me on here. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank that you means for a lot. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Well, my friends, just please remember that the universe is absolute chaos. So please be kind. Marie, any parting thoughts? Um, yeah. Uh, try the, try the boom chicka pop, uh, the white <laughs> cheddar flavor. Wait, oh, okay. or 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 the 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 um is that the sixty dollar one the sixty dollar pack yeah <laughs> try that one i love it i love it i love that so much that's going to be our tag for the rest of the show and uh we're putting on t-shirts try the boom chicka pop <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening everyone we'll see you next week bye bye What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com 
the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 